Well, we're continuing our series in justice, and uh, I kicked it off a couple weeks ago in Micah, and then my friend last week, Bruce Strom, was here, and I have another friend that I want to introduce you to. People that have been at Fox Valley uh, for a long time know Roger. He's been a good friend, and before I bring him up, I want to just tell you a couple things about him. Let me just tell you some formal things about Roger, Roger Simmons, is he is the director of diversity and spiritual formation at Judson University. He's alum of Judson. He graduated in the 90s from there. He then also picked up a master's degree from Wheaton College in 2016. He started an organization. He's the founder and president and COO of Cross and Culture. And Roger has walked down this path of justice all his career, all his ministry years. And uh, so I met him very shortly after I came to Fox Valley Church, and that was a long time ago. So I gave you a little bit of a, uh, who he is in terms of his professional life, but on a personal level, he's one of the brothers uh, that God used in my life to open my eyes to some of the questions of race. And like a lot of us, uh, we grow up in our environment and sometimes there's not a lot of mis uh, mixing of ethnic diversity. And uh, Roger uh, came into my life with some other brothers too, but God used this man to, to have conversation with and to bring me into some things that I had never, never thought about. So Roger would come over. My kids grew up with Roger around the house. He'd come and hang out. And uh, all these years, we've, we've watched Roger do all these things uh, in his ministry in Elgin, his ministry in the community here. Uh, he's done just so much over the years. It's, it's just beautiful. And so I asked Roger to come and bring a message out of the Scriptures on some things that raise up questions of ethnic diversity. I think you're going to be blessed to be thinking about it, but it's such a big topic today, and there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, so we're going to do some texting at the end. So I want to encourage you to get your phone out now. You're going to see a, a number, a phone number on the slide. I won't know who's uh, texting anything in, but as Roger brings this message this morning, uh, at the end I'm going to come back and we're going to do some, some texting together and engage in this very, very critical topic. Now, I just need to ask too, as soon as we bring up racial diversity or any questions of justice or injustice in this area, all of a sudden people start thinking, is Fox Valley Church going woke? And, you know, now if you don't know what the word means, it doesn't matter, right? Uh, no, we're not going woke. What we're doing is looking at the very heart of God for justice. And as Bruce brought up last week, there's so much scripture, and this is the heart of God for people and justice and injustice. And this is an area that we have to look at as brothers and sisters. So I've said enough about Roger. Roger, would you come on up? I wanna pray for you. Could we welcome him? So glad you're here, brother. <laughs> it is so good. And we're online and we're so glad you could participate online. Let me go ahead, pray for you. Yes, and uh, you can dive in. Father, I thank you so much for my brother. I thank you for his wife, Jeanette. I thank you for his kids. I thank you for the ministry that he's had right here in our community all these years. And God, you have anointed him 
with this. He loves this area of study. He's thought long. He's prayed deeply. He's been rolling up his sleeves and engaged with real people on real questions about all of this. And he doesn't shrink back. So God, I'm asking that this morning you'd give us ears to hear, that God, you would bring your scripture alive. Let us see things maybe that we hadn't thought about. And God, would you bring us into the people that you want us to be so that we, God, could show the story of Jesus to our community. I ask God that you would anoint my brother for this hour. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go for it. Thank you. Well, good morning. Everybody doing this morning? All right. Well, my Bible is open to John chapter 4. Please join me. Um, there's a lot I can say on all that Tom had shared with me, those kinds words. But um, I want to save those words for later and um, get right into the Scripture here. In John chapter 4, I begin my reading at verse 4. You can see the Scriptures here in the screen, but I'm going to read here from my little Bible. Everybody got it? Just say amen. amen. All right, we'll stay together here. It says, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Would you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. How can you speak? How can you ask me for a drink? But Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink? You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who, has, who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you are now, you do now have, is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true, sir, the woman said. I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but the Jews claim that the place where you must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship that you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit 
and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is a spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speaks, speak to you, am he. Give me a moment to take a water break. Okay, I want to talk about this morning living within the tension of the kingdom of God and culture. Um, I want us to really pay attention to the context of what is going on currently at this particular time. Um, Look at the broader picture, the environment, the mood, the purpose behind the communication. That's very important that we understand the context. And take in mind, Jesus was not novice in terms of what was going on in, in this particular time. He was a man that was fully aware of his environment. And a lot of times you see in the scriptures that Jesus will pull from the environment and communicate to the people of that particular time, and they understood what he was talking about. Because he was so in tune, not only with the Father, of course, but he's in tune with what was happening around him. I'm not caught up on a lot of movies when they have Jesus, kind of this guy kind of rolling in and eyes kind of rolling in the back of his head, almost like he's unintuned, you know, he's not in tune with what's really going on, you know, kind of this mystical kind of guy. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus was very informed, very connected to the environment and and what was happening. Um, He was engaged. So we see here, right in the very beginning here, that Jesus said that it's it's a necessity that I go through Samaria and have a spiritual, I I think it wasn't much of a, like a geographical thing because normally Jews would not pass through Samaria when they're going from Galilee to, or from Judea to Galilee, you know, they, they will take another route to go to pass that way. This was more of a spiritual mandate. Jesus said it was need that I go through Samaria, not around it, but that I go through it. This was a, a necessity of Jesus. So really pay attention to that. And another one that many Jews often, um, they didn't see Samaritans as very desirable people. Historically, Samaritans were, you know, this is when the, the, the Jews and the, the, the Assyrians had intermingled and so they were not considered like four Jews. So this created some tension over the years. And Jesus understood this tension that existed. He knew exactly what he was getting himself into, going through Samaria. And he passes through Samaria. Just to give you a context of what's going on here, passing through Samaria. Now take in mind, the disciples had already gone to go get food in town, so they were not with Jesus at this particular time as he was going through Samaria and he's meeting this woman. They were there to meet him. And as he gets here to this place, he runs up on a woman. And Jesus began to interact with her at a well. Now take in mind that historically, that normally when women would come to this well, they would come in groups. It was not, it was not common to see a woman that would come alone. So just that indicated that her coming alone to the well, that it was, there was an issue with her. Okay? 
that there was some sense that people didn't want to associate with her. And as we saw in the story, that she did have an issue with, with men, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, so she was a woman that had some issues. So she was saw alone. She was sitting here at the well. And I often thought about this. Here being Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, <laughs> shows up at this well, and here's a woman here who has issues. The question that came to my mind was, how do you think Jesus' interaction would have gone with the woman at the well if the disciples were present? Just something to think about. I'm not going to get into it. Jesus sits at the well there, and he asks the woman a question. He said, you know, could you give me a drink of water? And right away, catch this, right away, the woman began to bring up all of these issues, these social issues. How do you, being a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for water? You being a Jewish man, almost as though, like, aren't you aware of the social tension? Aren't you aware of the issues that we have? You, you almost like Jesus, you appeared to be a man uninformed. So she began to like pretty much confront him. She came on strong. I mean, she came out the gate. She was ready to fight. And of course, Jesus could have easily addressed the social issue. He could have done that. We know that he was aware of what was going on. He could have like, okay, woman, let me, let me break this down for you here. But his response was that um, he asked for water. Then he said that he offered her the gift of God. He said, you know, if you've known who you're talking to now, let me, let me get this straight here now. You know, you, you, I'm, I'm asking for some, some water that, that I will thirst again. But uh, let me tell you here, I have something that I can offer to you that you will never thirst again. So he, he ignored the whole thing in terms of the social issues. He didn't even get into a debate with her. He could have, but he didn't get into a debate. He, he, he began to offer her the gift of God. And I will unravel that a little later. My question was, why didn't Jesus address the social issues between the Jews and the Samaritans and, and the woman at the well? Why didn't he just come at her? You know, I know in many cases I have. I've, you know, social issues come out. I come right at it. You know, I've done that. I had to learn the hard way, Tom. You know, sometimes you just don't come at things. You know, you just don't, you know, sometimes you have to listen. Matter of fact, that's the first thing you need to do. Well, the very fact that Jesus was, catch this, the very fact that Jesus was physically present in Samaria represented that he was addressing the brokenness not in the Jewish culture and traditions, but also the issues of racial tension between both the Jews and the Samaritans. The very fact of him being present there he was addressing a whole lot of issues. Just his physical presence. Okay? He was addressing social issues between the Jews and Samaritans, issues such as land, gender, traditions, culture, racial tension, and also worship, just to name a few. <laughs> Can I run them down again? He was just him showing up in Samaria. Not even coming there to, hey, I'm going to 
tell you about what's going on about these soldiers. Just showing up there. He addressed the issues of land, gender, traditions, culture, social, I mean, racial tension, and worship. He was addressing all of that. Just the near fact of him just showing up in Samaria, physically. Land, meaning that he didn't even supposed to even be there. You don't pass through there as a Jew. He's a violation. He ruined that tradition. He broke that tradition. Jews don't just walk through Samaria and show up, and better yet, sit at the, at, come at the well and ask another Samaritan for help. Gender. A rabbi, you know, a rabbi is not to be seen speaking to a woman, especially a woman such as a Samaritan, alone. They broke that, that old tradition. Racial tension. Jews don't have no, the woman said it herself, Jews don't have no dealings with Samaritans. You all consider us to be dogs. The Jews consider Samaritans to be dogs. So he, he answered, he, he dealt with that one. Worship. Jews worship in Jerusalem. It was considered the most holiest place on earth for the Jews. Samaritan worship in the plot of ground that was, was Jacob. So we see all these, just him showing up. He addressed all of these issues. Okay. The antidote. Jesus offered living water. He offers something that transcends all social issues of that present day. What he had to offer transcend the issues of land, gender, racial tension, worship. It transcended all. It's amazing. Now take in mind that all ministry is contextual. Jesus knew for me to bring the living water to Samaria, I need to show up in Samaria. I need to be among the Samaritans. He couldn't wait for them to just show up in Jerusalem. That wouldn't happen. So he said, if I'm going to bring this living water to Samaria, I have to show up in Samaria. Even though I know I'm going to break a lot of traditions, I'm going to get some people upset. Maybe my Jewish brothers and sisters, they're not going to like really side with me on this. So he came along. And we'll, you read the rest of the story, you see how the Jews, the disciples responded when they actually showed up and saw Jesus speaking to a woman. Question, how do you think it may have gone um, in your observation if the scribes and the Pharisees have shown up and seen Jesus talking to this woman at the well? The Jewish leaders, the preachers of our day, the pastors, evangelists of our day, and walking and showing up and saw this happening. Jesus transcends all culture 
but he also works within it to accomplish the Father's will. Jesus was a Jew. He preached in, in that culture. He preached and he healed. He ministered within the context of that culture. As a disciple of Christ, we have to learn how to work within our own cultural context and also beyond it. It's called a kingdom perspective. When Jesus showed up in Samaria, he was a Jew, but the message that he was bringing was a kingdom message, and that message was now bound by its culture. It transcended it. That's why he was able to go into in, in Samaria, and we saw what happened as a result of that, because what he had to offer transcended it. The disciples couldn't have not done what he'd done because they were not there, because they were still somewhat bound by their culture. As disciples, we are called to go, and that is to, that, that's an action word, and it entails a movement from one place to another. What was the Great Commission? Go and make disciples of all nations. And the word nations mean ethnos, which is ethnicities. He thrusts us out into uncomfortable places. That's the great, that's, that's the great commission, is to go beyond your own ethnicity. Go and make disciples beyond your own ethnicity. Go and teach and preach beyond your own ethnicity. It's a very challenging call. It sounds good. Go to the nations. It sounds good. But it's a very courageous call. It's not a, it's not a very nice one, but it's very brave. <laughs> There's a call and a redemption within every culture because of the brokenness of man. And we are to embrace our culture as well because God, has, God can work through it that which affirms his kingdom and affirms life because man is created in the image of God. There was things that Jesus created. Jesus affirmed the Jewish culture. There was times he affirmed it. He will, he will keep the different festivals and he will show up in, on Passovers and, and he will honor and respect it, the meaning of it. But he was not bound by it because there were also things within the Jewish culture that were broken. And Jesus would do things on a Sabbath day and he would upset people because he would show you, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm not bound by this. So there's times that he affirmed things within the culture and there was times that he protested against it. Because Jesus' message was a kingdom message. He broke barriers. Then Jesus moved on, and they began to talk about this whole thing about worship and, you know, you all worship in Jerusalem, and we worship here. Jesus is like, you know, there's coming a time when the true worshipers, it's not where you worship here or worship in Jerusalem, but it's those who worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
It's not about geographical, where you're located or where you where you're planted. It's about those who are in tune, who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. When we understand that, we can, we can, with that truth, we can go into different places. We can go into different contexts, and we can offer that living water. Because we understand that what we have to offer, it transcends it. Thank you. <laughs> you almost scared me there. Thank you. I'm a <laughs> get a water break. <laughs> almost rocked me there a little bit. Applications. Let me get into some applications. Applications and thoughts on following Christ into conflictive cross-cultural settings. Think of some applications here. Because all what I shared, there's a whole bunch I can unravel there, but I don't want to give you too much. Number one, the gospel will manifest in its unique form within a particular culture. You have to understand that. Okay? I had to learn that when I lived in Dominican Republic. <laughs> Um, when I first arrived in the Dominican Republic, I came in, I was with a missionary organization that was based here out of America. After, doing, after being a part of the organization for one year, I realized that, hmm, if I'm going to be here long term, and I'm going to minister here among the Dominicans, I think it's going to serve me best that I come under the leadership of the Dominicans, whereby... I can come as a student and learn from them, and they can teach me what makes sense in terms of ministering the gospel to the people within their context. And when I did that, everything changed. See? Now I begin to understand in terms of how to better communicate and interact with them within their own context. And so I had to get, I had to get beyond just my own American context even though there's still good things to that. And I, I didn't have to throw it all out. But I understand that, you know, the way God is moving among these people may be uniquely different. It's not all, you know, the way it's done in America. You got it? An Indian evangelist, an Indian evangelist said this. He said, he was talking to some, some uh, missionaries, what have you. He said, do not bring us the gospel as a potted plant but bring us the seed of the gospel and plant it in our soil. Because when you plant it in a soil, then you, you let it be what it's going to be. But when you put it in a planted pot, then it's a sense of control there. It's kind of like it's controlled. He said, don't bring it to us like that. Hmm. Bring us the seed and plant it in our soil and let it grow and let it become what God wants us to be. Next one. Y'all going to scare me around. Y'all keep doing these things. Next point. Our call to make disciples of all nations could be messy. I did a correction here. At times in, in a complicated process. Our call to make... It can be messy in a complicated process. Our greatest conflict will be the one we face within ourselves. 
My, ba- my greatest conflict have always been, Tom, when I've been in the DR in different places and different contexts. You know, it wasn't always the, what was different out there. The greatest conflict was what I had to face within me. Remember Peter when God was sending him to go to Cornelius? He had to show him this vision, Acts chapter 10. He was really revealing to Peter what was in his heart. He said, arise, kill Peter. He said, no, I can't do that. He said, don't call him clean what I made clean, Peter. In other words, that don't limit me to only what I can do among the Jews. I can do this among, you know, the Italians. I can do this among the nations, Peter. So Peter had to deal with an issue within Peter, within him. That was his conflict. Next one. I'm moving here. I'm working with time. Uh, We must allow ourselves to be culturally accessible to others so we may be able to communicate the love of God. Jesus preached and healed and did miracles, cast out demons. He all all worked within the context of Jewish Jewish culture. So we, we have to allow ourselves to be culturally accessible to others so we may be able to communicate the love of God. That's what Jesus did when he showed up in Samaria. He made himself accessible, available to them. Like I said, he didn't wait up in Jerusalem in a synagogue and say, go get those Samaritans, tell them to come on, we're having a service tonight. It's called Jesus night. You, you know how we put, we like to... <laughs> You know, put things over here in the, in the West. We like to label things and, you know, spectacular. No, Jesus went there and made himself accessible. Fourth point. As, as God's kingdom subjects, we live out the gospel by both embracing and protesting various cultural values just as Jesus did. We have to, we have to affirm, we were firm in culture what gives life, but also we have to stand against what doesn't affirm life. All what Jesus was doing when he showed up in Samaria was he was, he was like the, he was embodying justice. He was justice in bodily form, if you allow me to say that. He was addressing everything and him being there. Next point. We are to be redemptive in bringing healing to the brokenness that exists in culture and prophetic in speaking forth the truth and love to unjust systems that shape culture. We have to be redemptive. We have to be redemptive in terms of bringing healing to the brokenness that we see within culture. And also we have to be prophetic in speaking truth to that which is unjust. I got two more points. Uh, no, I got a few more time here. Next point. The kingdom of God consists of those who worship God, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I understand my culture, and I know that I embrace it. I'm not ashamed of it. I love it. I appreciate how it has shaped me in many ways uh, in terms of affirming life. I appreciate it but I'm not bound by it. I can go into an African-American congregation 
And, you know, Pentecost congregation, I can jump right in there like I never missed a beat. But then I can go right down the street to a, to a Lutheran church, and I can jump right on in there. You know, or, you know they're maybe quiet or whatever, different, different expression. That's okay. And I, <laughs> I grab a hymn book, and, and I go right with them. I sing how great thou art. <laughs> right? You know why I can do that? Because I worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I'm not bound just by my own Pentecostal experiences. And they wouldn't even know that I was a Pentecostal. I do some, got some weird things at times. But, you know, they wouldn't even know that. They wouldn't even know that. I'm just singing right to them. Oh, great thou art. I'm singing right with them. Let me move on from there. Last point. Last point. Jesus brought the gift of um, eternal living water into Samaria. We should seek to bring that same gift to whatever conflictive cultural setting we find ourselves in. Bring that gift. I'm going to share a quick testimony here. My time's up. Um, I, I, there's a bike trail down by my house where we live at, down by where we live. And I normally take that route. And I just do my walking and things like that. And it's been very therapeutic for me, especially since the passing of my, my youngest brother recently. So I take walks down there. And one day I was taking a walk. And I walk all the way down to the bridge, um, 90, which is the bridge there, 90, and I come back. And one day I was taking a walk. I was coming back, just taking my walk, minding my own business. And there was people moving down, and I'm seeing people coming. And I said, wow, it's pretty busy today. So as I'm walking... From a distance, I see a car on the bike trail. I'm like, I never saw that before. I've seen bikes and, and you know, people walking and scooters and things like that. I've never seen a car. I said, like, what's going on? So as I got, besides getting a little closer, and there was people that were passing me up that um, um, were complaining. Oh, that one, what's wrong with that woman? Oh, they need to know where she's going. She's lost or whatever. And they were just complaining. Ah. And I was just kind of like, what's going on? So as I got closer, I saw there was an older white lady in the car. Now, culturally, I've always was taught to respect my elders. That just has been embedded in me. And I pass that on to my son as well. Respect your elders. No, no, no. It doesn't matter their race or whatever, their ethnicity. You respect your elders. You honor them. So as I, got, I started approaching her, I'm thinking, now, nah, now, nah, a conflict began within me. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This black man coming to this white woman in a car on a bike trail. What are people going to think about me? Everyone that passed up the woman looked like the woman. And I'm like, if I stop, you know, with all that's going on in our country and, uh, you know, some wrestling, I'm getting close, I'm wrestling with this, this internal wrestle. So culturally, I started drawn to her because I, the, the honor, the respect, I want to help. And then the compassion of God overwhelmed. And so I moved with compassion. I was drawn by my cultural conviction, but I was moved with compassion. And I went up to her. So, so when you move with compassion, 
it superseded the fact that what they're going to think about me is black man up in his audience. I think I'm robbing her. I'm going to try to take a car or anything. I move with compassion. Hey, you know what? I'm, I came to offer water. How can I help you? What's, you know, she's like, oh, I'm stuck. I'm trying to get out. I, I don't know where I'm going. And I wanted to really, I know I can get in the car and I can back that car there pretty quick. And I'm like, just give me the, I, I can get you out of here. Well, just, you know, but anyway, I saw that she didn't want to get a little, let go of that wheel. So I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Okay, man, I'm just, I'm going to stand behind you, kind of move your wheel. And I backed, I kept, come on, keep coming. And she almost went into the, door, oh, no, no, you know, you get her. So I got her out of there. Okay, I got out of there, Tom. I'm sweating now. I'm like, my God, <laughs> you didn't get me a workout now. So I got her out of there, and I said, you know, what happened, you know? And she's like, I'm trying to get over to Randall Road, and I need to get to South Elgin. And I'm like, oh, man. She, she got mixed up with this whole GPS. It, it threw her off, man. So I, had, I, I, I gave her some direction. I gave her instructions. I said, oh, thank you so much. I said, yeah, no problem. And she moved on. That was the internal conflict I began with, right? And then the cultural conviction. Then that being guided by the compassion of God to offer water. You can't, us, we cannot be afraid to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into settings that may look very conflicting. And it may even set you up to look like you may be something that you're not. Because my whole conflict that I was fighting with was, what are the other walkers that are coming going to think about me? Because I wasn't dressed like this, you know what I'm saying? I didn't look like this. I may look like I fire whatever. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, but I know I'm not, I'm not trying to harm this woman. I really want to help her. So I had to yield in to compassion and offer water. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit leads us and he guides us into all truth. And Lord, that your, the gospel transcends all culture. But yet, somehow, it's cultural bound. It works within culture. So, Lord, help us to be open to the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. In Christ's name, amen. 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 Can we give them thanks here? Uh, I got to say, uh, just being honest, it's a little easier to preach in a black church than it is to preach in a white church. <laughs> Usually I coach our body a little bit, uh, so that's what Roger was alluding to. You know, when you preach in a black church, man, they encourage you. <laughs> they shout out an amen when there's agreement, you know. They'll, they'll encourage you, like, preach it, brother. You're on the right path. Let's keep going. <laughs> Got a little quiet in here, didn't yeah, it? <laughs> I left you hanging. I'm sorry. You're okay, man. You're all right. You're all right. You're getting me back. I've won't been you? a lot of different places, so that's, it's all right. 
uh, Roger, you brought up a lot of stuff. Uh, when I do this and ask for text, you know, I might get one text. And I really realize when I get one text, either my message was so crystal clear yeah. or they're so confused they don't even know what to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the latter most of the time for me. But for you, obviously, we, we got a lot of text. Uh, a lot. They keep coming in. I, I can't get to all of them. Uh, so I, I've been trying to read through them and... Uh, I'm not sure where we're going to go, but we're going to start diving in, all right? Uh, and, and thanks for that message, man. You, just bringing us into this stuff. So here, here's one question. What practical ways can we break into other cultures, and then in particular, the black culture? What are some practical ways? Very good. Um, and one of my teachings I do what you would call the, the iceberg effect. And it's the, the, the 10% of an iceberg is what you see, they say, right? In the 90s, what you cannot see. So I like to say the 10% is more like, you know, you was of culture. The 10%, you, you would see like what is, what's visible, then you have the 90s, the invisible. 10% is like the artifacts. You have the museums, you have the different uh, festivals and that the different cultures have, correct? And I always ask people that I use that as like a launching board, whereas, um, read books that are by African-Americans, um, visit museums, you know, where they, they teach about the history. Could you recommend a book, maybe something that you feel like is an uh, easily accessible book? Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, well, one book would be, um, well, it's a book by um, George Carver called um, The Miseducation of the Negro. Okay. Um, that, that, that's a good book, you know, um, that, that speaks about um, the black experience. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's one. And I can, get more, I can get more books as well. I'm just, it's not coming yeah, to me right I, now. I'm, I'm reading yeah. a book right now. It's called uh, Reading the Bible While Black. Oh. A professor at um, it's Wheaton. Wheaton. It's at Wheaton. It's at yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So that, that might be, I found that one really accessible and uh, a good kind of place to dive into, reading the Bible while black. That's very good. That, that's, that's very good. Um, that, that, that'd be a good place to start. <laughs> so I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I just want to help good. people out. Uh, some good. practical ways. Those are practical ways, reading books. And then also, you know, of course, you know, the more relational way would be is to, to, begin a conversation, begin a relationship, you know, with um, people that are, you know, of African-American descent. Okay. I'm giving a little brief answers now, so I'm trying to respect the time. Okay. Uh, hello there. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Can you... Um, <laughs> oh, Roger, I'm sorry. I, I set you up for this one. Can you define woke? <laughs> Maybe that's a question to me. <laughs> well, among, among African-Americans, that word can, look, can sound, can have a different meaning, you know, in terms of mm, that. Good point. Yeah, it can be different. So I, I know when things get politicized, then they got a whole nother, go to a whole nother realm. But for us, you know, we may use, you know, like, man, you know, um, I could tell a person, you know, um, man, he ain't woke. Like, even like, even playing basketball, you know, like, if I make a pass to someone and they don't see it coming, whatever, I'm saying, man, he's sleep, you know? So that means sleep, he ain't paying attention, he, he, he's somewhere else, you know? And I said, man, you sleeping out there, you know? So woke can be like a person is not conscious of what's going on, 
For us, that's what it can be. You're not conscious of what's really happening. So when we say, man, he's been, man, they woke over there, we can say, like, they're conscious, they understand what's going on. If I say they're not woke, that means that, you know, they sleep, they're not, they're, they're just kind of blind, they're not really not aware of their surroundings. So when I hear it, from my con- culturally, my context, you know, that's how I see it. Sure, and in the white culture, there's a whole set of yeah. context that comes with that. Right, right. That uh, there's a... a politically correct way to look at the whole racial tension yep. uh, and, and all that. So here's a little bit of a follow-up question, uh, even though maybe we didn't define woke enough. Woke is really, from a white perspective, trying to uh, look at the racial tensions and divisions in a certain way. And if you don't look at it the way the culture says you need to, then you're not woke. Perhaps we could say it that way. Okay. Woke is you've, you've got to look at it through a certain lens. So is the woke movement correct? Is it assuming and pressuring prejudice? Yeah. Is um, it bounded or unfounded? So let, let's dive a little bit into this, and maybe we need to reframe it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I know the Bible says, awake, awake, or you sleeper. You know what I mean? You, mm-hmm. Those who slumber. Um, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't um, dip and dive in that a lot, you know, mm-hmm. um, the woke and not woke and all that. I deal more with the aspect of um, being conscious of what's going on in our world, what's going on in, in our nation, in our society. Uh, I'm a proponent of that, of being conscious of that. But in terms of defining myself from, from what they say, I look to define myself from mm. what the Bible says. That's good. That's okay, good. this is what I define. This is my, my definition. I try to define myself from being a child of God who's created in the image and the likeness of God, who has, who has um, value, who has worth, who has dignity. I'm defined it from there, okay, my humanity. And that may show through my culture, but the essence of who I am is being created in the image and the likeness of God. So that's why I define in terms of woke and all that. I come from the Bible. Yeah. Because we can throw out a lot of terms, you know, critical race theory, woke, all this kind of stuff. True. And, you know, one of the things I do want to say, mm-hmm. I, I think what I've learned is we want to throw everything out. We, we hear the word woke, we read the definitions, we read about it, we say, nope, no good, and we throw the whole thing out, critical race theory. We got to throw it all out because the foundations... It are just so weak in it in some ways, right? That's but true. on the other hand, there's so much for us to learn and to think about. And so we live in a fear because we won't read or think or engage uh, with, with You know, these and another topic, things. you know, that, you know, when we throw it out because we may think it's, it's crazy or whatever, you know, but uh, as a friend of mine once said, that crazy is not crazy when you know what's behind it. So sometimes you have to know what's behind, what's that craziness mm. and what's, what's really you know, um, getting an understanding doesn't mean that you doesn't mean that you agree. Whoa, it just, whoa, that is a critical point in the conversation. Yeah. To let people share and talk and seek to understand exactly. doesn't mean you're that you agree. Agree with everything. You know, now I sit and I listen to someone. I had to listen to some far out things before, and <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, but I, I had to listen. But if I, you listen long enough, you will understand where they're coming from. 
And that doesn't necessarily mean at the end of the, at the, end of the conversation, okay, I, I agree with everything you said. No, I understand where you're coming from. I understand how you arrived to where you're at. Mm. That's, what it, that's what it's communicated. Yeah. And I'm respecting them in the same token, right? You know, because we are to communicate love. So that's what it is. I can only imagine at the beginning of my relationship with Roger, he's listening to me say all these goofy things, you know, but he just stayed in the battle with me, right? And yeah. we, we navigated. Uh, we we're going to move on. We got another question I want to go after because I, I think it, it, it hits into some of these things. How can we as a church or as an individual Christian make a difference now as to race division? Can we ask a black man, a black woman, a family to share with us what we can do that is real and helpful? What is our responsibility, and how can we um, put feet on it? Yeah, that's good. Um, <clears throat> just in my little experience I've had, that um, I think entering into the relationship is, uh, I think it's, it's more, it has more dignity when not only that you don't want to get into a relationship, but you're kind of drilling people with questions. You know, I, I've, I've, been, I've been in that situation. You know, and, yeah, I've done that. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, come on, Tom. <laughs> Let's eat now, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm hungry. But um, <laughs> I said, I play food getting cold, you know, and he's still asking all these questions. I'm talking all this. But anyways, um, it's good to ask questions, but it's also good for you to share your life. It has to be mutual. We have to know that we're in this together. Okay? You know, like, I'm not responsible to, to rectify or to, to, to dismantle racism. That's not solely on my responsibility. I think it's the responsibility of a collective people to eradicate, to, to eradicate and to dismantle it. It has to be a collective effort versus just one group of people. So we have to show that we're in this together. You know, and you want to get understanding. Yeah, it's good to ask questions, but it's also share your heart, share your concerns, share what you think about certain things, you know, and allow, allow us to other people to hear you as well, you know. So it has to be a mutual thing, sharing together. Amen. Amen. There, there's so many good texts, and I, I apologize. I, I didn't realize we'd get flooded so much with so many texts, which shows me it's a topic we need to address more often. Uh, what I do want you to know is Fox Valley Church is a safe place Amen. to engage these issues. And we want to engage more and go deeper as a body because of the calling of Jesus Christ, just like you preach. Uh, at Fox Valley Church, um, just for some of the newer people, if you're kind of wondering, like, oh, how do I get involved? What do I do? There's always the uh, Connect Central, and you can talk to Julian back there, and he'll help you get connected. And then this morning as we leave, um, I just want to close in a word of prayer. Roger will be back in the foyer. He'd be glad to engage with you for a little bit, whoever uh, has maybe some questions or something you want to talk to him about. Uh, sure. he's, he's a great brother. I love this man, love his family, and a phenomenal ministry in this area. If you're able to stand, let me invite you to stand. Let me close us in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this morning and these conversations. God, there is so much we need to talk about, think about, pray about, and take steps to deal with. And so God, as we are your people, as we leave today, I ask a blessing on everyone here, everyone on our online community. God, that you would use us to think deeply about these issues. Bless your people. May your face shine upon them. 
And Father, we commit this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remember as you leave, Jesus changes everything.